This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World. Welcome to episode 339 of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. We have some news to talk about this week. Cursed Child tickets, uh, the registration period, not the sale, the registration period has now opened and there has been drama. (laughs) Ticketmaster is apologizing. So... We will talk about that, and also, just after we recorded last week's episode, there was a new interview with J.K. Rowling and the writer and producer of The Cursed Child, Jack Thorne and John Tiffany, about the play to hype up the Broadway opening, and she said a couple of interesting remarks, so we're going to talk about that as well. Um, But first, we are going to start with Cursed Child ticket registration. It is a big deal. Um, Micah and Eric, you two registered for tickets this morning, right? Yes. Yes. Not so, without incident, though. <laughs> so first, let's explain to people what this part is. So Cursed Child is using Ticketmaster's verified fan program, and this is a way to get rid of the bots. I've had experience with this myself for uh, Bruce Springsteen's Broadway, Broadway run um, a month or two ago. And so how it works is you have to register before the on sale and then they look at your registration and they decide whether or not you're a bot. And real fans are probably going to get through. Um, And hopefully very few bots are going to get through. That way there won't be people trying to flip tickets on StubHub for way more than they bought them for. Mm -hmm. One question though, Andrew, I do have is that as this process continues to evolve, isn't there more and more likelihood that bots are going to be able to crack the system? Maybe, but Ticketmaster is somehow looking at the registration. Like, they're looking at these accounts and seeing that, oh, okay, this account hasn't bought hundreds of tickets before. Oh, okay. They're also looking at your phone number and your email address. I'm just worried because I tried logging in maybe 20, 25 times before I finally got through. So they may think that I'm a bot. You do look like a bot as well. I so. do. I do. <laughs> a lot of things working against you. I, no, yeah, so. and I, I used I used autocorrect and autofill on the forms to fill them all out. So I oh, you're screwed, you. Eric. Yeah, I, <laughs> everything. All my info, my Ticketmaster login was already saved. I just had to hit OK, uh-huh. hit next, hit next. I accept. Very little so, human effort, but so, I, I felt honestly, I felt like a bit of a machine having to refresh so many times every time I would get an error or when I submitted the information and it brought me back to the login page to like do it again without giving me confirmation. Mm. A couple of the old issues are still... Yeah. So still so open. registration opened Sunday, October 1st. The It's open for the next five days-ish. I think it closes on at end of day, October 5th. So you didn't have to register today, but people are so excited. People are also thinking that if you register very early, you'll have a better chance of of getting selected. So how this works is if they deem you not a bot, then you're moved into this other pool, and then they are going to randomly select people from this pool. They're going to randomly select people who will get registration codes, unique codes, that will let them purchase tickets beginning October 18th. So there's going to be a little luck involved here. Um, we also don't know how how many tickets are going on sale, like how far ahead 
the sale runs through. Like, is it is it tickets for the next year, the next six months? We don't know that yet, and that that'll that'll be a factor in uh, how many people end up getting these unique codes to have the chance to buy tickets. And by the way, once you get a registration code, you're not even necessarily um, you're not even necessarily getting a ticket, you right? Know? Mm-hmm. So so um, so so you guys were having a lot of problems this morning, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had a couple of 502 gateway timed out errors on the web page. Once I did get into the web page, uh, I was having that issue where you log in and then it like makes you fill everything out. And then when you hit OK, it just takes you back to the login rather than moving forward to a confirmation page. I had that a bunch of times. Um, really, it only lasted long enough for me to tweet about it. And then in about five minutes, uh, somebody else posted a success picture and then I got in and had a success picture. But, you know, it, it, it it's it's interesting just, I guess, the fact that every time this happens, uh, people can't seem to accurately predict, you know, in the ID, IT department, uh, like, they don't properly prepare for the website to be overloaded. We've seen yeah. this on Pottermore. Every time there's a big, huge announcement uh, on Pottermore, it crashes. Ticketmaster has done this before. The uh, pre- previous JK Rowling events we tried to get to. Uh, just there's yeah. no there's no real good way to do this. And don't um, forget trailer releases, too. I remember when we would release trailers on MuggleNet, yeah. the, the site would go down just because the traffic... <laughs> Would would overwhelm it, but I'm I'm not actually. Despite the tweet that I made, I'm not that surprised, nor am I that disappointed that there was a little bit of an issue early on. I think it's to be expected. I think mm-hmm. when you have probably what was hundreds of thousands of people, if not more than that, trying yeah. to all register at the same time, I don't know that you can protect against that. Yeah, and by the way, this is Ticketmaster's fault. This really doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> Harry Potter, Pottermore, Chris Child, J.K. Rowling. She's not sitting there maintaining the server on a Sunday morning. Or is she? Um, <laughs> this is this is on Ticketmaster's website, and it's particularly bad for Ticketmaster because that is their freaking job. It's to sell tickets. <laughs> you had one job. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and this happens with Bruce Springsteen, too, where the, the, the site crashes when tickets go on sale. This is really nothing new for them, and for some reason, they can't seem to ever get it together. Now, if you but notice, it, though, the Cursed Child site itself had no issues. It wasn't overwhelmed by traffic, or it, oh, okay. presumably it got the same amount of traffic because that's where people were going initially. Well, right. Uh-huh. No, I had a couple issues where the site wouldn't load. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I did have a couple. And then I think they, they must have rebooted it because there was a period of time when I was entering and I got one, one time I got a message saying this campaign is not available mm-hmm. um, after going in. And then a second later, the error message when I tried again said, uh, we'll be back soon. Our right. site is currently unavailable due to quote, an extreme amount of registration activity. <laughs> Semicolon. Yeah. Please check back soon. Visit HarryPotterThePlay.com and follow HP Play NYC for the latest news and updates. I I ran into all of the same issues that you mentioned. And uh, so I went on right at 10 a.m. Eastern, which is when they became available for registration. And then I probably didn't end up getting tickets till, or not tickets, but the... Uh, to the registration portion of it until just after 11 a.m. Eastern. So I, I stepped away from it after trying a couple times. I just had had enough. So I'm registering right now. Uh, <laughs> the site loaded fine. Okay. Putting in my... I'm just. I'm going to use the MuggleCast hotline to register, get my code sent there. 
I'm kidding. How do you intend to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? I mean, I don't know, you guys. It's next year. How am I in person? <laughs> right. Yes. I'm up part one and part two on the same day, recommended. Part one yep. or, or consecutive evenings. Part one and part two separately for non-consecutive. Per- okay, yeah. Did you guys do the recommended option? Yeah, the first thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now here's the, I'm kind of surprised they're asking this question. How many guests do you intend to purchase for? You may change your number at time of purchase should you receive an access code. What did you guys put for this? Three. Two. Two. I'll put one. No, put three. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going to take you guys. You, you guys are coming with me for my birthday week. Oh. You can change it at any time, Eric. Yeah. Well, put three. No, the thing is, I think that determines how many tickets they're going to allocate or they're going to yeah. try and... They're going to try and fix their junk in the future, so they need like an accurate head count of how many people are going to roughly be trying to get on the website sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, I think that's right. Put three, put three. I did, I did. Thank you. All right, hitting submit. Hopefully it okay. works. Be prepared to do the same thing over again and over again and over again. <laughs> now it worked. It's, oh, it's good. Oh, get the green thing? Yeah. Okay. So when you guys hit submit, that's when it all went haywire, huh? Yeah, it went back to login. Okay. Like, sign in through Ticketmaster to... Except da, 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 da. Curse Child did apologize, or sorry, Ticketmaster did apologize this morning. They said, we apologize for this morning's Curse Child NYC registration issues. We're experiencing unprecedented demand yeah. and working to resolve. That is a load of bull. No, unprecedented? Well, come on. Unprecedented means nothing was as popular as Harry Potter. I'm inclined yeah. to believe it. The problem is I don't. Harry, po- Harry Potter fans continuously hit these numbers. Continuously. Like, you know who else is really popular? Harry Styles, Bruce Harry Springsteen, St- Taylor Swift. Come on. Wait, are you t- are you telling me this isn't a Harry Styles uh, play that we're seeing in London? In, Harry in New York? Styles and the Cursed Band. Oh man, One Direction. But uh, all right, but, I'm yeah, all set. Like, part of part of me feels some pride. Part of me feels, oh man, we we came together today on this Sunday morning and we <laughs> we broke a website. The first of October. The first the first of on the dull gray Tuesday we came together. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it just part of me feels pride, then the other part of me is like the world needs to catch up to like our level. They need to get on our level. Yeah. It. Uh, but my one tip to everybody, I wanted to give everybody to increase your chances of getting tickets. Because like I said, we don't really know how many codes are going to go out. It depends on how many days they're going to be selling for on October eighteenth. Have your friends register as well. Even if they're not going to go, and that way, and I'm so, and on one hand, I'm kind of sorry for saying this because it might hurt some people's chances, <laughs> including but, ours. I'm right, glad exactly. you're saying it. <laughs> but if they get a registration code, here's the thing: they have to, they have to use that unique code with their Ticketmaster account to get tickets. But once they buy the tickets, they can give them to anybody. So. Um, so the tickets will be easy to transfer, and then you know you can you can Venmo your friends some money. I know when I was doing Springsteen, and that was only he was only doing two months of shows, and it's a thousand seat theater, so they were very hard to get. I I I, I teamed up with multiple friends just in case because I didn't want to be screwed out of tickets, and then of course I got a code because I am the number one fan. So of course they were going to give me a code. Bruce specifically said, oh, yeah. you've got to give him a... Give a Andrew a code. I met him last year. He's a good kid. After you two met last year, yeah. it would it would only be natural that he would make sure that you got a code. I'm surprised you, you just didn't 
you didn't even have to go through this process. I know. I, uh, you should have had them mailed to your new apartment in Chicago. <laughs> and, and you know, you. why even put you through the frustration of having to deal with this? I agree. I so agree with yeah. you. You guys, why didn't we just get our tickets handed to us? On yeah. Why did we why have to, we have to register? Because we've been so overwhelmingly positive about Cursed Child. I can't imagine why we wouldn't get tickets. We were at a midnight release. So one thing um, that I guess they didn't do for this one, they're not doing for this one, but for other verified fan programs, including Bruce Springsteen and Taylor Swift, they're looking at your past ticket purchases to see if you've bought tickets before. And for Taylor Swift, to increase your chances of getting tickets, you could, didn't have to, but you could buy merchandise and... That would increase your chances of getting a ticket, which is a little slimy because they're basically making the fans pay up more to have a chance mm. to buy tickets. Um, they didn't do anything like that for Cursed Child because Harry Potter fans really haven't bought Harry Potter tickets before <laughs> through Ticketmaster. Right. So, You mentioned earlier, though, how far in advance you think tickets will be sold. Do you remember going back to when this debuted in the West End in London, how far in advance they sold tickets? I don't see anything on the website about how far ahead tickets are going to be on sale for. I'm guessing it's going to be about a year. If anybody remembers listening live, um, how many tickets went on sale initially in the UK, like how far ahead, let us know in the comments. Um. I'm assuming the actors have a contract for roughly a year. Maybe it's less since they already did a year. All right. Well, let's move on. So to promote Jake, the Cursed Child Broadway run, J.K. Rowling, Jack Thorne, and John Tiffany, the co-creators of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, did an interview with CBS Sunday Morning last weekend. And one of the mo- so the whole transcript was published. It was about an hour long interview over in London on the Cursed Child stage, and the interviewer was trying to get some information out of J.K. Rowling about giving the fans what they want, and she says, well, I know I'm never going to pander. I know genuinely, I know full well, I have limited time left on this earth, earth. I have no interest whatsoever in doing certain things that I know would be very popular with the fandom. And I think the fandom watching this will know exactly what I mean because they know what they keep asking me for. But there's nothing there for me creatively, even though I know they'd all buy it. And then the interviewer tries to get what she's talking about out of her. Can I ask what? I'm not even going to go there, Micah. Are they asking for... Come on. I'm not going there. I'm not going there. No, I'm not saying that because my Twitter feed will be a place for hell for three months if I say it. So I'm not going to say it. (laughs) And notice there she's talking about it sounds like she's talking about one thing. But there are certain things that I know I could write and just we'd sell millions. It has to excite me and it doesn't excite me. So, yes, do I care? Yes, passionately. And no, because ultimately I've got to do what? feeds me so what is she talking about what is not feeding her wow what do you think michael (sighs) the encyclopedia i think 
That would be my guess as well. I think that the encyclopedia has been the one thing, probably even before Deathly Hallows was released, that fans were always talking about, always wanting. And I feel like in a way we did get that with Pottermore. So it's not entirely as if we haven't gotten bits and pieces of information over the years that have filled the gaps. Right. And, you know, another contender for what is this thing that she's talking about that has no just creative nourishment for her, uh, another contender is the Marauders uh, story. Like as if she were to write um, stories about the Marauders growing up at Hogwarts during the first Wizarding War. And the thing about that is we've we've even got pieces of that too, like in the – the story that she wrote for charity. And that is some of the most passionate writing. That was stolen, right? Was it, st- it was stolen after the fact, like years later. But and never recently, found, I don't think. Yeah, think I it. guess we didn't really think about that. Um, <laughs> but reading, uh, that, so, it's, reading that, it's very clear that she enjoyed herself writing it. It's such a fun little piece with Sirius and James on his mm-hmm. motorbike escaping muggle policemen. It seems like mm-hmm. a blast. It, it does, to me, sound like she is talking about one specific thing here because she's saying it would sell millions. What else would sell millions besides the encyclopedia? Right. Seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's anything else. Like, Marauders would be popular, but millions popular? I don't know. I don't know. The opinion was very much split when you posted this story, Andrew, on, on Twitter. Right down the line, I would say, one side encyclopedia, one side Marauders. I'm just, I'm a little disappointed by this because I know we have talked about this before, so I'll try not to harp on it too much. She has said the encyclopedia would be a thing. She said 10 years ago, it may take her 10 years, but she'll have it done. And now she's saying it doesn't creatively feed her, which I understand that. I I get it. She's not feeling passionate about it. But you did say you were going to do it. It'd be different if you never promised on multiple occasions that it was happening. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, look, I'd rather that she do it than she'd hand it off to John, Tiffany, and Jack Thorne to finish up. <laughs> so if it so if it's not feeding musical. her, if this is the nail in the coffin and the encyclopedia is not happening, good riddance, that's fine. Just leave it here. Leave it dead. That's fine. A is for Aberforth. <laughs> he loves goats. Micah the- loves them too. What are you doing? What just happened? What is going on? This is Encyclopedia the Musical Andrew's by Jack Thorne and John Tiffany. Oh, I love it. Oh. B is for Bertie's Heavy Flavored Beans. Keep going. What is, what is C for? C is for Cursed Child, our play by John and me. D is for Doge. No, that's for Doge, <laughs> like Elpheus Doge, Dumbledore's yes, friend. Yes, yes. I, I was thinking it. Doge the dog. Isn't that a thing? Uh, Not Dementor? in Harry Potter, but Dementor. Dementor. Dem- yes. D is for Dementor. They are spooky and seen in Prisoner of Azkaban. Can you just do this for another thirty minutes? Yeah, sure. How much a... time do we have left? Let me grab a drink break. Yeah, here we go. E is for Hmm. Eric, the wand measurer dude who's at the ministry when they go down. Okay. 
How about E is for Eric Skoll, the podcaster? Oh. They started in 2005. You guys, I'm going to see the I'm going to see the shit out of this musical. So E is for Expecto Patronum. They take out the Dementors. F is for Fred. He is dead. That's how you know because it rhymes. Yeah. Okay, for the rest. Well done, Andrew. Well thank done. Thank you. Please see part two for the next five letters <laughs> of the alphabet. <laughs> um, uh, earlier, I, I was going to say it's somewhat ironic that she's talking about not pandering uh, to the fans during a Cursed Child interview. Yeah. It's it's really weird to have her. I mean, she goes on to, we'll, we'll of course talk about this. She goes on to praise Cursed Child a lot. She says some very, very positive things but she's sitting between these two dudes i'm like how can she ever say what she really feels if she didn't happen to feel this way how like because it's such it's so awkward to watch her sitting there being like yeah this is exactly how the creative process happened when she's not alone saying that she's done so many one-on-one interviews where she has never been any anywhere close to this open about what goes on that i just find it like really weird jarring or off-putting that she's with these two creators saying so many nice things. I don't know. Maybe like, she did really like it. How about may- that? I Then I do not know her anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, it's crazy. I, I will say, like, the to the point of her saying about being creatively fed um, by whether it's the encyclopedia or hopefully not, but maybe, it's, maybe it is the Marauders story that's just not feeding her creatively, like it's not interesting or exciting enough for her. She's chosen to tell the story of Grindelwald's rise to power uh, via the Fantastic Beast films. And that, to me, is not something that strikes me as being altogether unique, exciting, or different. She already told in a, a seven-book story the, mm-hmm. like how a villain rises, how this dictator guy rises to power and terrifies the world. She's chosen to tell the same story over again. She's telling, you know, now except now it's Grindelwald instead of Voldemort. Maybe I'm off base in thinking the two are remarkably similar stories, but, you know, she talks about not being creatively nourished and then chooses to tell another story about another dictator rising to power. I, just, I don't get it. I, I think uh, it was part of her interest in Fantastic Beasts was Newt himself, and she does need an overarching story. But mm-hmm. we'll also see what she has to say. You know, we still have four more films, and she'll probably want to make... Pol- uh, I, I think it's also a lot of political commentary that she's offering with this series, which may creatively inspire her as well. But in terms of the encyclopedia, like I get why it's not creatively inspiring. You're kind of just taking all your notes and repurposing, repurposing them for a book. It's like, I can see how that would feel like homework. Yeah. Yeah. You're not well, necessarily uh, writing new it's already It's already sort of been done by... Um, that just like people, I guess, like allocating and stuff, like all the rights holders and stuff, probably surely have already looked through all her napkins and organized them chronologically yeah. for her. Surely there's some assistant or some intern somewhere whose job it was was like to make those coherent so that if they're looking at, you know, scooping up new intellectual property or making new movies, they can easily reference them. Like I'm sure they've been digitized and buried in a safe three miles underground. Mm. Um, True. But this goes to the point earlier about having Pottermore as a resource in terms of digitizing it. It exists. It it may not be in the form that we want it, 
think a lot of people would prefer to have a book, and I'm sure that book would have way more information, maybe even copies of handwritten notes that she's made over the years. But you could do the same thing online. And I think by doing it through Pottermore, you're providing a free resource. Whereas the encyclopedia, we could all say we would undoubtedly pay for it, and I'm sure the proceeds would end up going to charity most likely. But there are probably a lot of other people out there who would just rather log online and find out that information in one place. So yeah. if only we could remember our I login. Think you could look at it either way. Evie, who is listening live, says it's different for her, referring to Fantastic Beasts and doing the uh, dictatorship plot. It's different for her because she is writing a film script. She did a novel series, but not script writing. Uh, okay, I guess. Like the story, the story is creatively feeding. I, I don't know. I'm. I still question it. Netta wrote. Uh, although I wasn't upset, I wasn't as upset about not getting it until she stated she wasn't giving it to us. So that was crushing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think, though, again, the, the, part of the issue here is that it's in the midst of an interview about Cursed Child, who for many people just is not the postscript of the Harry Potter series that we would all have anticipated and expected because we all just feel very adamant that we don't like it. And not not all of us. I know there are people out there who are fine with it and who like I'm it. I'm fine but with it. Majority of people, what's that? I'm fine with it. I've found peace. <clears throat> you found peace, yeah. But most of the people that you talk to have an issue with it. And so when you're sitting there, you're talking about not wanting to pander to fans, yet this play was created, which would have been under any other circumstance. I mean, think about back to when she would say, oh, well, we're never going to end up doing Harry Potter on ice. Well, this is the closest thing probably that you have to that. And yeah. it's it's a bit of a sideshow. Uh, and so to say that you wouldn't give fans something that really is core to the series in an encyclopedia, but you'll go and you'll, you'll give approval for a play, I think that probably rubs some people the wrong well, way. Well, yeah, absolutely. And the show is very much fan service and crowd pleasers. It's how yes. many how many characters who've died in the books can we bring back for one more uh, gallivant, for one more yeah. adventure around the sun? Uh, you know, it's it's not you. It's not the textbook definition of creatively unique or interesting or exciting. Um, it's none of those things. And by her saying this in this interview for Cursed Child, she is somehow raising and elevating Cursed Child as being even more definitive of like an additional plot thing, that like in addition to the Harry Potter series. It's solidifying it as the only place fans can currently go to to get more Harry because by by the way that she's saying it because she's further saying there's not going to be an encyclopedia or there's not going to be these other books because they don't interest her and then she goes on to spend another 45 minutes praising this story and the collaborative process creating it she's basically saying this is where this is us now this is harry now for the record um she does say in the interview she's very much enjoying writing scripts and I think it is creatively fulfilling for her because it is her first time doing this. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that she does seem to be enjoying it a lot. Sure. So there was a lot that happened in this interview. At one point, the interviewer 
read read this read this bike you're the interviewer i guess but is it possible to give potter fans too much or will they suck up anything that you lay on to them why stop at two performances could have gone on for a week just because she spoke like a mother just because people want a lot doesn't mean they should have everything that they want we'll just give them what's good for them and we decided that this was and it is you're absolutely right I remember what that was. Well, actually, this doesn't bother me, her response here. It's the interviewer's dumb question suggesting (laughs) that the play could have been five parts. Are you kidding me? No, fans would not have sucked up a five-part Harry Potter play. You'd have to go to five shows. That means like staying four to five nights in New York or London to see every part. That's irresponsible. And J.K. Rowling does point out in the interview that most, she says she was delighted to see that Everybody goes into part two very excited to see what happens next. And it does test the patience of particularly younger people to sit there for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and I think I noted this when I saw the play to you guys. It does go by fast. I can't remember any part of it that felt like it was dragging. Right. And this was a f- like a five-hour show. So, yeah, I'm told. It says something. And come on, Mark. I mean, in all fairness, who's going to sit through five nights? We all have things to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And and do what do you guys think about this comment? Is it is it possible to give Potter fans too much? I, I think, yes, there is too much. And I think J.K. Rowling is right that she does have to be the gatekeeper. She has to say, no, that is too much. We, we can't do so many spinoffs. We can't do, uh, you know, I can't write another eight books just because people would eat them up. I think she's... There's a difference, though. Hmm? Yeah, finish. Sorry. Oh, no, that's basically all I'd say. No, there's a difference, though, between giving them too much and giving them what they want. Yeah. Right? But she's not beholden to give us everything we want. Right. But she's choosing... There's some kind of value judgment on... Well, who bought her We'll give them what's good for them. Like, uh, what? (laughs) How is that did come off a little inappropriate, a, but I think in the context of this question, yeah, it's okay. Because it's such a horrible question. Because of right, because a five part play, she's right, would not be good for us. Is that is that the wrong attitude to take though? Because you know, a lot of times when these sorts of things surface, most people will say, "Well, who bought your books?" Right? Yeah, but and I don't like saying that. I mean, I think, but I'm just throwing it out there for argument's sake. But she's not like a slave to yeah, do whatever just, we want just because we supported her. Right. No, I I know that. I'm aware of that. So, and, and kind of going along those lines, I, I wrote down a couple of different things that J.K. Rowling has done and given fans since Deathly Hallows was released. And I may be omitting a few, so feel free to, to add some other things in. Some of them are Potter related. Some of them aren't. Uh, Beetle the Bard... Followed shortly after Deathly yeah. Hallows. He is for Beetle the Bard. <laughs> Thought it was for Birdie and his beans. Now this is uh, revising my play, my musical. <laughs> uh, d- the theme parks, both Orlando, L.A., and, and Tokyo. Yeah. Pottermore, mm-hmm. for as much as we have discussed it over the years. Pottermore was really great. In, uh, in different yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cursed Child. The Casual Vacancy. Mm-hmm. 
and the Corman Strike novels. So it's not as if she's been dormant and she hasn't been putting things out there, both for Potter fans and maybe for those who weren't Potter fans but are interested in reading Casual Vacancy or the Corman Strike series. Yeah, I mean, there's there's authors who are hermits and uh, recluses and... They fall out of the public eye after their major, major, major success and or, or resent their fans or, you know, so many other authors have gone so many less positive routes uh, that it's really kind of we should just bask in the in the excitement of having an author who's still very much active. Yeah. Yes. So um, one more part of this interview I wanted to talk about. She says... Um, We've all been wondering, like, who decided all of these twists in The Cursed Child? Because she has said it is canon. It should be considered canon. I believe those were her exact words. So, so, like, who thought up all this crazy stuff? (laughs) And she talks here. I'll, I'll, um, I'll just start reading. The developing the story, I think, was very collaborative between the three of us. I, for obvious reasons, had power of veto over everything. I could say, no, that didn't happen. But no, it was the three of us. The play is Jack's play. Jack did the writing. Jack did the heavy lifting. And he did it beautifully. And I couldn't be happier. Interviewer says... But you retain power, just as you did in the movies. Power of veto just because you feel you still own the Potter character. J.K. Rowling says, it wasn't really a question of ownership. I know this is going to sound very bizarre... I know it's right when I have a sensation of, oh, yeah, of course that happened. And that when the three of us were kicking that around, one of these guys would say, well, how about, and I'd have that feeling. Oh, yeah, of course that's what happened. I just knew. And sometimes it would be me saying, I think this happened. And unsurprisingly with my own ideas, I definitely thought they were probably what happened. But often we would be sitting there and trying to finesse something, and one of these guys would say, and I would know, yeah, that's how it happened. It felt like excavation, which is how I know I'm on the right track when I feel that I'm actually uncovering a story that's already there. So she's basically saying they would kick around ideas in a room and, and she would just have like a gut feeling. Oh, this happened. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Voldemort and Bellatrix. Yeah, flying winged daughter. Yeah, yeah forked penis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Oh, wait, that's not canon? We talked about that later. (laughs) Which I find interesting. So, like, it seems to me that a lot of ideas in the play weren't sitting in her head before going into it. Right. All this Time Turner stuff, all this other stuff that happened just sort of when they were pitching ideas, she was sort of like, yeah, that happened. Of course. Of course it did. Of course... Harry's children break into the ministry the same exact way his parents did, you know, 20 years earlier and are as successful at polyjuicing and time-turnering as the former generation, despite all the additional security that should have been placed on the world. Yes. Yes, of course that happened. Yeah. So finally, we got some answers on that front about what happened. (laughs) <laughs> look it, it just happens. it just it sounds just... she still stands by this play and i don't get it i don't personally endorse it but i have to this is like the you gotta you gotta kick the dirt and get on and move on move on i think after this mm-hmm. sort of an interview you gotta be like hey this is this play is here to stay yeah 
And I, I find this interview very significant. I think it's one of the first times she's really spoken about the development of Cursed Child. So that's why I wanted to focus on it this episode. Allie, who's listening live on Patreon, she says, Look, I want to see the play as a play. I will honor it as a beautiful piece of work related to Harry Potter. However, it is not on the same canon level as, say, Fantastic Beasts. Chris Child is, I'm sure, a beautiful production, and I hope I can see it in New York, but my headcanon is that Voldemort never procreated. That's my biggest issue. Maybe if she explained how it fits with the original canon, because I don't see that it does. Right. Are you going to go back into Goblet of Fire and find all the moments that uh, Harry and Draco's kids went back in time and, oh yeah, look, in the writing there. Yeah. That must be the moment. That must yeah, be, yeah. No, Cedric Diggory, so. yeah. He, you know, was almost a Death Eater. A little bit of humiliation and all of his uh, boyish uh, honor and and friendly loyalty to the world around him uh, shatters like thin glass mm-hmm. because uh, he was a little bit of humiliated. Yeah. He yeah. absolutely was seconds away from being a Death Eater. Of course that happened. Mm-hmm. By the way, Amos Diggory became such a dick, right? I mean, I'm sure yeah. after we are introduced to his character early on that... That's exactly the uh, the road. Almost that he diggery, so, almost dickery. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know wow. what cracks uh, me up? You you two like to complain about Cursed Child, but who was the first to register for tickets this morning? No, you we two. were we were like you the seventeen thousand on it. We were the seventeen thousandth people to sign up for <laughs> Cursed Child this morning. We're obligated, Andrew. You guys couldn't wait. You couldn't wait till tomorrow. You know why? Because we didn't see it. We after. we held out this long. That's the thing is, we should be. We are heroes of the of the trolling of the. We didn't go. We can still not like the uh, the story. I know. Yeah, I'm just messing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interview just seems weird. To your point, to be sitting between those two people, I don't know how you could say anything other than the fact that it was collaborative and you enjoyed working with them and it was as if you were throwing it. Hey, look, I got a solution. J.K. Rowling can come on the show before the year is out and we can throw around ideas and create the next Potter novel. How's that (laughs) Of course that happened. Of course it happened. J.K. Rowling, um, Harry and Hermione... uh did fall in love after all right oh yeah of course that happened hey jk rowling lavender brown it's like an excavation lavender brown she's uh still hanging out right yeah of course that happened <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh scorpius and albus they uh they considered being romantic right yeah yeah that feels right yeah dobby's still around right <laughs> Of course that happens. No, 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 no. His death is one of the most beautiful things in the series. I can't wait for the feedback we get on this. It's going to be bad. No, I wanna... Look, guys, I am very excited for Cursed Child to open to, com- uh, to come to uh, New York. I think it's going to mm-hmm. be very exciting. I can't wait to see listeners there. I can't wait to see if we all get tickets. Eric, I know you want us to go on your birthday, and that's cool, but I don't know if I can wait that long. Wait a minute. You have to, because otherwise it's in previews. Well, can we see it twice? You want to see it in previews on Broadway again? Yes. No, yes. dude, they're not prepped. It's not finished. What do you mean they're not prepped? They did it for a year on in London. Well, the op- look, opening day is on my birthday. If you want to see it beforehand, be my guest, but I'm getting three tickets no, for well, all of us. I want to go both times. Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, you've oh, already wait. seen it. You've already seen it, so I don't have a problem with you seeing it again. Like you've seen it twice in London, right? Not not even just the one time. 
No, no, it was once. Oh, was just once. once? Okay, well, yeah. but Micah, just hold off, please, uh, and we can see it together for the first time. <laughs> Aww. If, if Andrew, so if Andrew says, not to buy if Andrew comes from my town to your town and is like, hey, dude, I'm in town, let's go see Chris Child early, say no. <laughs> Eric's going to book us a wedding to go to We're gonna... <laughs> every day between opening and his birthday. Okay. All of a sudden, yeah, the P.O. box is going to start working again. <laughs> By the way... Um, tickets start at $20 per part. Wait, what? very good. Really? Yes. For Cursed Child? Yes. I was expecting like $138 like per show. No. No, they do make them very affordable. Huh. Okay. I like this play a little bit better now. Harry Potter the play. Yeah. I'm, I'm checking. They have a certain number of tickets they announced that are under $40, I believe. For every performance of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, there will be three hundred seats. There will be three hundred seats priced at forty dollars or less per part, and one hundred fifty of these seats will be priced at twenty dollars per part. And then don't forget, there is also the Friday Forty. Now we don't know exactly how this is going to work yet, <laughs> but every Friday at one p.m. Eastern, the production will release forty tickets for some of the very best seats in the theater at forty dollars total. 20 per part for every performance for the following week. That's a good deal. Yeah, so we should try to enter that too for fun. I, I, I do want to get really good seats. My seats kind of sucked in, in England. Yeah, I am, I am definitely interested in, in good seats. Mm-hmm. By the way, also in that interview, I thought it was interesting. J.K. Rowling mentioned that one of the balconies in the Palace Theater, they don't sell, they don't sell those seats for one of the particular balconies. So she that's like her balcony because... From her viewpoint, from that balcony, you can see how some of the magic happens. Ooh. So that's why they don't, they don't sell tickets for that balcony. And I know the exact one she's talking about because I remember when we saw part two, she came in right before it started and she sat up in that balcony. And it also works for her because she can look into the audience to see how people are reacting to things. Nice. So it's kind of perfect. Of course that happened. I wonder if like she has her like has like an iPad set up there where she can continue tweeting. It's like permanently installed in the balcony with some tea, little writing desk. That's where the owl lives. Who's been retired from the (laughs) show. Oh boy. All right. Well, that's, that's that interview. Like I said, lots to talk about in that interview. I'm glad that they did it. And, um, yeah. Michael, was there any feedback to talk about from last week? Yeah, I would just say that pretty much all the feedback that I saw from episode uh, 338 was overwhelmingly positive uh, from our conversation with Kyle, yeah. uh, who, if for those people who haven't listened, uh, transformed his entire classroom in Oregon uh, into a hotter themed classroom and uh it's really cool um so i definitely encourage people to go and to check it out uh and give it a listen but everything like i said just the just the feedback that we got from people who listened on twitter through email on patreon uh they really like that so i think you know we've talked about it um we're, we're gonna try and do more of those types of interviews interviewing people who are really you know immersed in the fan community and doing these cool things uh, on future episodes for sure living and breathing harry 
It's time for a little quiz itch. <laughs> also Kyle's term, we have this question from last week, yes. which, of, uh, which was as follows. Which of Harry's school books in Chamber of Secrets uh, was not penned by Professor Lockhart? Well, what's the answer? I, I don't I'm know. I'm going to go with a history of magic. <laughs> history of magic. Okay, Andrew, do you have a guess? Year two. Uh, I'll guess that, too. That, that makes the most sense. Okay, the answer is actually the standard book of spells, grade two by Miranda oh, Gosha. Uh, which means you two are down 10 points. 10 points no! to Hufflepuff, uh, which is me, for stumping you guys. Thank you very much. This is, this is for our listeners. We shouldn't be getting in our Well, then we should have polled the listeners in advance. <laughs> but the answer well, for those playing at home, assign 10 it's points just a to... fun play-at-home yeah. through your ears game, not... I know. I'm just, I'm just trying to turn it into like some hoops and some snitches. Well, if we're, if we're going to give people a week on it, we should put the question up on Twitter and, and see, and, and you know, call out first person to answer it correctly or randomly select one of the uh the listeners that respond correctly could do well james was who's listening live he 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 guessed that and seems to have guessed it correctly so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, congrats mm -hmm. james so let's give them a question for next week's quiz it okay uh pick a book guys book one all right what famous witch and wizards cards is ron missing in book one Ooh, interesting. Okay. And what did you develop these okay. questions for? Are you making your own trivia night or something? Yeah, so uh, it was probably like 2006 or 2007. Um, I just went through the first three books. I was doing a reread, as you do, of Harry Potter, and I just decided that I'm going to write down every statement or fact or like situational plot thing that mm. could be turned into a question for later. Um Okay. So, like Ron says, Bill's achievement at Hogwarts was that he became head boy on page 99. You know, like weird stuff like that. And, like, some of it won't work as a trivia question, but most of it will. All right. Well, we will uh, get that question up on Twitter shortly after the show. Okay, Micah. Here's a cool question. Here's another example of cool. But this is not our Quizits question. This is just for you guys. Uh, Who did Ron's chess pieces belong to originally? So everything his the Weasleys, dad. it's actually his grandfather. Um, okay. Everything the Weasleys have is secondhand, and Ron is playing with his grandfather's chess pieces. Little stuff like that, that, you know, doesn't really, it's not, a, it's trivia. It's useless fact. I, mean, good I stuff. was guessing his dad because Arthur likes muckle things. Arthur does like muckle things, but this is wizard's chess. Hey, boys, you know, it's actually an exciting week what? for Harry Potter fans. Why? Because on Tuesday... The Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition will be released. Oh, really? Yes, it's already here. Okay, cool. So hit up your local bookstore, purchase it. I'm excited. We will uh, all get a copy and review it. I know we're due for a Patreon giveaway, so we should give a a couple of copies away over on Patreon.com. Definitely. That's that's going to be a good get. That's going to be a really good get. Yes. You know, I was also kicking around the idea... Well, I'll talk to you guys about after the show. I don't sure, want to sure, 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 sure. Um, okay. I hope that this illustrated edition has a picture of Ginny in it. Yes, justice for Ginny. Justice for Ginny, everybody, because Chamber of Secrets 1 did not have a single one. Is that what G is for? G, G-, G- is for Ginny. Somebody threatened to cancel their Patreon support. In the comments, over <laughs> they my really singing. did. They really <laughs> beastly did. biology. 
I'm sorry. Keep going man. then, Andrew. Keep no, going. No, I don't want him to cancel. I don't want him to cancel. I think of all the things that we've said on the show over the years, but your singing would be the one thing that would cause this That's person it. to cancel. That's going to ruin it for him. I don't blame him. And then next month, as if we didn't get enough illustrated glory, illustrated joy, the Fantastic Beasts Illustrated Edition will be released November 7th. And that's not all. That is not all. Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about over the next few weeks. Harry Potter, A Journey Through a History of Magic will be published in the U.S. and U.K., I believe, on October 20th. This is the companion book for the 20th anniversary British Library exhibit, which is opening in October. Huh. Over in London. This is going to have some of J.K. Rowling's notes through the development of the Harry Potter series. So we're going to parse those, see if we learn anything interesting in them. I guess it's kind of an encyclopedia. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Um, and once again, there's, that is going to include some illustrations from Jim Kay as well, who hmm. is doing the Harry Potter Illustrated Edition. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to be new illustrations or what. But look, there's a lot to look forward to over the next month. Save your money. Yeah. And, you know, I feel really good about this fall getting into uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think it's going to be a really nice end of year for Harry Potter fans. And we are... Um, just over a year away from the new Fantastic Beasts film, uh, we've we've seen a couple of yeah uh, things, but you know, next November, before next Thanksgiving, we'll have a new Harry Potter movie. Yeah, you know, I had one of those shower thoughts the other day. I was thinking we've almost gotten through an entire year without a new movie. Like this whole year did not have a new movie, and we're almost at the end of it. And now we're going to have another one to look forward to, and hopefully some promotional stuff will start ramping up, get some first looks. Still most interested in the title. I really want to know what they're going to call it. Yeah. Kind of surprising that that's still a big question, isn't it? Yeah. What, what they, I'm sure it'll be a, a collaborative decision between J.K. Rowling. Like, of, of course it happened. Of course. Danielle is asking, so Andrew will check out the new Illustrated Edition for us, then return it, correct? <laughs> yes, that's absolutely right. No, I will, I will. Number. I Well, I might do that for Harry Potter History of Magic, but Prisoner of Azkaban and Fantastic Beasts Illustrated Editions, I will definitely keep. Those are great. All right, well, um, we do have an email here before we wrap up today's episode. Micah, do you want to read it? Sure. It's from Damie, who says, Good morning, gentlemen. I just finished listening to your recent podcast, Two Sickles a Scoop, and enjoyed the discussion at the end of the episode about a potential HBO Game of Thrones-style series set around the Wizarding World. It sounded like you guys thought of it as something that had to follow the books, had being asterisks around it, but I think you missed a great opportunity. I would love to see a Game of Thrones-style series that follows the Marauders and or the rise of Voldemort and the earlier Wizarding War. I think that is a lot of story potential and could potentially fill the years between Fantastic Beasts and the Harry Potter stories that we all know and love. Since it's an entirely new area outside of fan fiction, there is a lot more latitude for creative storytelling without worrying about offending purist fans of the books and movies. The series could accommodate more adult subject matter and start to bridge the gap between people who may have felt too old to read children's books when they came out 
and the people who grew up with the stories and are now adults. Thanks for the show and have a great week. Yeah, that is such a cool idea. I get nervous about handling, like handing creative control over to like a showrunner to just do a show in Marauders era that's like free of really you 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 do yeah that's like free of um it's like cursed child well, that doesn't bother yeah. you well it's like I'm thinking Glee too like I'm being shows sarcastic. that shows that don't take themselves seriously at all and they could just play in this world and make up whatever they want and ab- it's abuse of the viewers to not hold themselves to a quality standard. Uh, like J.K. Rowling would definitely do. Um, so I get nervous. Okay. We do have some voicemails and emails to catch up on. We will get to that on the next episode. Uh, I do have to thank somebody. Yes, you do, Andrew. It is Michelle. So she sent a Slytherin pin to the P.O. box. She got it from... Her loot crate, one of her recent Wizarding World loot crates, she is a Ravenclaw, so she scoffed at receiving a Slytherin pin, and she sent it to us through the P.O. box. So thank you, Michelle. She wrote her note on some Makuza note paper, and it was really sweet of her, so I appreciate that. I will wear it proudly. As we all know, earlier this year, I converted to Slytherin. New year, new me. Uh, jury's still out if I'm going to stay Slytherin in 2018. I may reconsider my house. Uh, everybody, put in your put in your money now. Put in your bets for what, what Andrew's going <laughs> to make some money on the side off of here. Will he stick with it or not? Um, yes. It's been a uh, fun episode. If you have any feedback, you can visit MuggleCast.com. There's a feedback form there. Or just email us directly, MuggleCast at gmail.com. To learn about our contact information, you can click the Send Us an Owl link at the top. You can also write to us. The P.O. Box, like I just mentioned, is 4044 North Lincoln Avenue, Box 144, Chicago, IL 60618. I now have a key. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. I haven't been to it yet, but I will. Leave me, leave me little notes and like fold them into little birds. And I'll little do love same. notes, like a well, like, yeah, high school like, locker room. Yeah, we'll both kind of go back and forth. Oh yeah, I forgot about the locker room thing. Maybe not a locker room, but like the hallway what locker room, ha- hallway yeah. locker. Yeah, yeah. You always hear of like little birds and the dropped in the. What show did they have that in? I'm drawing a blank, but I really, well, really want to remember. Back in my day, before texting, we had to leave little it? notes in the lockers. <laughs> it might have been like Heather's or something. I don't mm. know. Our voicemail line is one nine two zero three Muggle. Yay! That's nine two zero three six eight four four five three. By the way, you can also text us <laughs> through that number. We really? get a text message every once in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm doing it right now, of course. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the number I just used to register for my cursed child tickets. What Not was really. it, wait? What was the mug? I, I can't spell Muggle on my text messaging. It's nine two zero three six eight. Four four five three five three. All right. Send us a send us a text. You can listen to old episodes, of course, all on MuggleCast.com. That is the only place they all are. I know occasionally we get people going back listening to the older episodes, which is fantastic. Um, but they run out of episodes in the feed. Huh. Got your text message, Eric, oh. to the <laughs> MuggleCast line. Um. So we're sorry about that. We used to delete the old episodes from the feed. We're not doing that anymore, but we can't re-add the old episodes. So you do have to listen through MuggleCast.com. I'm sorry for the extra steps. 
Yeah, but you know, Audio Boom Player makes it real smooth. Yeah, does it? Yeah, it really, really, really does. Good, good. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate your support. Um, we would like your support over on patreon.com slash MuggleCast. Get ad-free MuggleCast. Get your name on a thank you page. You can listen live, as many people are right now. We had our first Slug Club meeting today. We are chatting on video with some of our listeners. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Our monthly meeting Definitely. benefit. We're also sending out sticker sets, whole lot more. Of course, the opportunity to co-host MuggleCast as well. Yeah, we got to pick a day and get uh, the rest of those art cards out for round two, year two of the Patreon uh, album art as well. Yes. Uh, what do you mean we have to pick a day? Are you well, saying I have to help you? Yeah, I'll bring the envelope. You have the cards, right? Oh, yeah. We didn't leave them well, in Florida, I'll just did leave we? them in the P.O. box for you. And <laughs> they won't fit in up. the P.O. box. <laughs> nice try. So next week, we will talk about the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated Edition, and uh, maybe we'll have an update on Cursed Child tickets, and we'll catch up on voicemails, emails, and maybe we'll do another main discussion of some sort. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll figure it out. For listening, I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Goodbye. Bye. M is for MuggleCast. They started in 2005. M is also for Mischief Managed. And Micah, he lives in New York. He has a new center. He should move to Chicago. Chicago.